0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unscripted Equity Curiosity. This is season two, episode one. And my name is Ami Joseph. I'm the sector head for technology here at Hagi. And with me today is uh, Andrew Friedman, the sector head for Agi Communications. Um, he is tired and wiped out because he had a baby within the last month, and it's his first. But he's got a brave, he's got his game face on. He's here. He's <laughs> ready to rumble. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna poke and prod at him and we're gonna get some juice out of this stone. Um so Andrew, um, we recently went through the year end. Dun, 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 yeah. Nah, nah. <clears throat> um, and year end produces like a lot of crazy dynamics that are uh, have
1: nothing to do with reality and are all yeah. artificial, like, like and tax, just tax- weird. Yeah. Tax loss selling, things like that.
0: Just whatever, like even just more like um, the fact that uh, people like get paid on, you know, there's a line in that sand that demarcates like how you get paid and measured. And for most people, it's December 31st. And it's just like that is random because like Apple doesn't stop working on a it's just this doesn't it just reality doesn't flow that way. However, there has to be some line in the sand, So things Things work as they work, um, but now that we're in 2022, we're in a new year. Andrew, what I want to ask you is, what are the what are the key way key things that I need to be thinking about in order to make money in your space this year? Like, what are like the the big things that are going to like impact your space between now and the end of this 2022 that I've got to like watch out for? I've got to be prepared for. I've got to pivot. I want to be Maybe I want to participate in some way at some point. Like, what are mm-hmm. those things? What are those like? What are those bubbles? Give me those like thought processes that percolate. Up yeah, when I ask yeah. That.
1: No, that's a great question. And um, <clears throat> I think, I mean, just top of mind, right at this right right at this moment, is the um, pending um, Warner Media Discovery merger in media. Um, so that was announced last year. Uh, T's kind of spinning off Warner. Looking to merge it with Discovery, kind of make a large number two player in the media space, um, at least when it comes to streaming, with combining the content of Warner and the HBO Max SVOD service with you know Discovery's um, unscripted content and Discovery Plus potentially, um, and kind of creating like this powerhouse legacy media plus streaming company with lots of free cash flow, lots of synergy opportunity, highly levered, but you know a path to delevering. Um, and really, um, it's important, I wouldn't say necessarily, well, it's important because I think it's been an, it's an event that the market has been kind of like just waiting for. Right. And you can't really do anything else in media until you kind of, you have some clarity that that's going to go through. Right. Um, and then it begs the question of like, what's next. Right. Um, when it comes to consolidation. And so you have, you know, the Viacom deal or sorry, the discovery deal get done. And then all of a sudden it does like Viacom become in play. Right. And then just in the last 24 hours, um, you know, we heard that like, you know, they're looking to sell their stake in the CW, which is another broadcaster and potentially Netflix and Sony are getting into it. So, the media landscape, I think M&A at this stage is a big trend. It's always been, but I think, you know, we're going to continue to have to watch it very closely. There's also some smaller studios like Lionsgate that could be up potentially on the block after, uh, you know, if Amazon gets this MGM deal done, um, which has the potential to kind of really, I don't want to say change the game, but, um, you know, definitely makes... You know, the scale for these players much different um, in in terms of leverage that they have, especially when they're striking deals with content distributors so um that's one thing I'm watching <clears throat> pretty closely here, and like I'm just sitting here like the Viacom like our legacy media shorts were great last year, well timed um, kind of just rode Viacom into year end to continue to go down, and now it's like the best performer to start the year so. You know, that could be some like tax loss selling dynamics reversing, um, but it could also be people kind of getting line of sight into, again, that Discovery deal getting closed in the first half of this year and starting to realize that, you know, maybe AT&T and Discovery just got a little too cheap, which tends to happen with these legacy media companies. At the same time with Viacom, I'm sitting here and I'm saying like, yeah, they, they had a really good quarter for uh, streaming <clears throat> for Paramount+. Plus, um, But in terms of like the pressures on the, the revenue drivers that drive the majority of the profit, um, you know, those are gonna get in- incrementally worse as the year progresses, that pressure is gonna heat up. Um, but then we also have the a, a potential investor day where they're gonna recast things again. So resegment and provide a little bit more transparency into the, to the pro- underlying profit drivers of the business. So anyway, I, I was a little bit rambling on, but <clears throat> that's kind of like top of mind at this very moment in the media space. And then, you know, in cable telco land, um, it's really about we have to watch how fixed wireless scales with the mid-band spectrum getting rolled out with T. AT&T and Verizon, uh, T-Mobile's momentum, you know, watching if uh, they can get Sprint churn back down. Um, that is what we talked about uh, on the call this morning. We also talked about it in last themes deck. I think the consensus is that post-paid sub-ads are too high for this year probably right. Buy sides below the sell side. Um, but the question is like, do the equities re- reflect that? And, you know, our t mobiles just been a dog lately, but you know, if I have like a three-year look, I think like it's, they're still going to win. So <clears throat> we're doing more work there. And then just to cap things off on internet space, you know, we've, that's kind of been a, a lot of our focus in terms of our active names on the short side, because those have the most juice. And we, we called pretty successfully, uh, the slowdown in digital advertising. Um, And those names have just gotten absolutely destroyed. Uh, And I think it's a question of like bottoming process, right? Like we've said, like January, February, like is probably going to be washed out, like Q4 earnings um, and your Q1, like Q4 earnings and your Q1 guide is probably going to be like peak negativity. Um, And then we could be off to the races from there. So I'm watching that like extremely closely because I think we're near a pivot, but the whole landscape just continues to be in flux. Um, Communication sector broadly has been underperforming for Q4 Um, and it it makes sense why. Um, But the question is like, just when does it, when does it turn? And I think, you know, for some of these names, it's going to turn faster than others. Um, but I'm definitely going from a position of being like way more bearish to being more neutral to slightly bullish, and trying to figure out, you know, what we should do here. Um, and I really just don't want to get squeezed to death and, and end up being on these media on these legacy media names. Um, so I'm being trying to be a little bit mindful of that um, and that because I mean we we there were great winners, and I just rather not round trip or, you know. Um, end up being wrong. So anyway, if that's it. Kind of Okay, that's a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Um,
0: so it sounds on the first topic on MA. Um do these mergers ever really work? Like I know they can probably make it look nice when they report, but I'm talking about like when you talk to people who work at these companies or who have to sell this product or or the people who consume the product. Does it ever like actually feel like one company, or is there's always this like, holy crap, it's like it's like a, a Kafkaesque uh, you know bureaucratic nightmare of of of, of half half lean tos from a UI perspective that are always um, that are always like many steps, you know un unconsumer friendly. Yeah, what,
1: what, what, do you, what do you think about No, I mean, I mean, media and M&A, I mean, it worked in cable, right? Because when you have a, um,
0: like you a know, when, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. When you have a pipe, it's infrastructure, like scales kind of just, you have natural scale. You also have like an underpenetrated market and, you know, you could use a lot of leverage because of the nature of the underlying business, right? And it, it's just a really great model, in, in, at least historically. Um, it's been, uh, we'll see what happens with T-Mobile and Sprint. I think that is going to win. I think that's going to work. I mean, there were obviously like a lot of, um, like strategic reasons for that deal related to like spectrum, um, that I think is going to make that work a little bit more, but in media land, like it just hasn't, I mean, you know, it, it like, you know, with Viacom, like discovery and scripts, like you can make the argument that. You know, they extract a lot of synergies, cut costs, delivered, blah, blah, blah. But you know, did that really translate into equity value? And the answer is like no, right? Viacom merged, you know, CBS and Viacom merged, right? And then all of a sudden, as soon as that merger like went through, all of a sudden Viacom's entire value within that construct went to zero, right? Because the, the C just got crushed. Um, and you know, COVID probably had a little bit to do with that. But the point is, it's like you know, businesses that are melting ice cubes or that are secularly challenged that are merging together because they ha- they're they being forced into it, right? Because they're facing so many headwinds that they need to try to achieve scale to some extent to kind of delay the inevitable. And in the case of media companies, like the playbook is, okay, you know, merge together, get more scale, go back to the cable companies, renegotiate the affiliate fees, get higher price, cut costs, Right. But then the problem with that is like, it just, then the cable com- but then the cable companies are like, okay, we'll pay this, but then we're going to pass through the higher costs of this programming to the consumer. Um, and then your pay TV pricing goes up and then you're like, well, I'm not watching pay TV because I'm streaming Netflix and watching Disney plus and I'm, I'm all these things. And then, you know, that value proposition continues to get worse and worse and worse. So in many ways, like to your point, like in the media space, like these, these deals often look good on paper and you can, there's no shortage of like investor presentations that when these deals are announced, that shows like what the pro forma like EBITDA is and like what the leveraging targets are and free cash flow is. Um, But, you know, eight times out of 10, like they just don't really work out. Um, But, you know, I'm looking at discovery today and it's up 18%. (laughs) you know, just today and it's up, uh, like almost 40% for the year. Um, now granted it's where it was in June of last year and it's trading at the same price as it was in like, I'm going to go back like 20 years. Yeah. And it's trading, you know, at the same price it was in 2013. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, uh, so you yeah, have to consider that fact in the context of these shorter term moves. But yeah, I mean, historically, these these types of deals are great. Financial engineering always looks great on paper, but it doesn't necessarily trans directly, translate directly to value creation from an equity perspective.
0: Yeah, because it sounds like the, 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 the asset that when you were talking about that deal um, of, um, AT&T spinning off uh, Warner and merging it with Discovery, the, the thing that came, there's two, two pieces that made me, that I thought about in that moment. One was this big, giant piece of whatever you want to call it, wonderfulness, um, AT&T, finally gets like a little bit of a soppy moment. So I don't know if there's some kind of like, been some kind of like, positivity around that mm-hmm. at all. I don't know if that it moves this needle for this thing because it's so big. And then the other one was, I was just thinking about uh, like selfishly, about Sony that um, the asset that they have seems like it is in a scarce landscape and a good asset in a scarce landscape. So I was wondering if that, if just wanted to throw those two at you and see like what you thought about, you know, AT&T in this, in the spinning out of something does that unlock a value that may have been kind of like buried for them? And just, is that interesting enough? Or is it like just literally too small?
1: Yeah. I mean, at t got probably got too cheap. Discovery got too cheap. Like I said, these stocks get too cheap and kind of too expensive pretty quickly. Um It could, I mean, like at t they've done so much in terms of trying to, configure the portfolio and selling off non-core assets in the last year. And a lot of part of that's like the activist playbook. Um, Cause the activist has been involved in there for quite some time now. Um, and if you look at kind of like what they're going for, right. They're basically admitted defeat related to like Warner media, which was, I mean, <laughs> they spent so much time and energy and capital getting that deal done. Right to just basically turn it have to turn it around at the end of the day and say look this was the wrong strategy, um, and so now they're kind of refocused as a pure play wireless connectivity company, and they still have stakes in like Directv and they're going to have a stake in this in this new uh, Discovery Warner Media ent- uh, you know entity of course, um, but you know like the issue that I struggle with is like sure. Like I can, I can tell you something is cheap, but then the question is like, what's your catalyst? And sometimes, you know, the markets will just wake up and you'll see a re-rating very quickly and you won't necessarily know what that catalyst is. Um, But as far as like their core wireless positioning for AT&T, it's still not fantastic, Um, you know, from a spectrum perspective. um, You know, I think, like I said earlier on the call this morning, um, you know, a lot of their better postpaid numbers have been coming because you know T Mobile's moving faster on the sprint integration. So we'll see. Um, you know, I've toyed around with it being a long, it's just, it's just tough. It's a really tough one because you just know that there's still challenge from a secular basis. You're building fiber, which is interesting, but then again, like we're long frontier for that. Like if you can be I've, like I mean I've just learned over the years that, you know, if you have a nice theme, if you have like a secular driver, um, you just always go with the pure play, right? Like it's just the cleaner yeah. story. Yeah. And, and then in case that's Frontier. And then, you know, with Discovery, um, it's it's a lot of its cable. I mean, it's gonna be a big cable business. Um, and those unit economics are still gonna be challenged as well. I mean, there's a lot of free cash flow there. Um, sure, but it's not like you know, trends are in their favor. Um, and then always the, the overarching question is like what is streaming worth and i think that's still up for debate and i still think it's a terrible business um but we'll see
0: why is streaming a terrible business like it seems like <clears throat> enabling content to be on demand would oh it's be a great good thing.
1: It, it's great for the consumer
0: yeah it's but why is it the- why is it bad for the supplier
1: um because in order to compete well it's because you're you're going like on demand OTT versus linear is just night and day different in terms of your ability, like the timing by which you are producing content. Right. So in linear, you have a set amount of output, right. You know that you have these spots that you have to fill, right. You have your prime time um, and you know that you have to produce this, amount of content for this specific period of time with OTT it's unlimited, right? Like you're just, you can, in theory, just produce as much content as possible. And, you know, you just kind of hope that the engagement shows up, but it's a slippery slope because then you want to drive subscribers and there's a correlation between subscriber growth and content output. Um, And because you're not operating within like this fixed linear time frame, um, right, you basically are forced to accelerate and ramp your content spend massively, right, in order to compete and, you know, maintain your share of engagement compared to all these other players. And so it really, all of a sudden, you're like on this content flywheel where you have to spend all this capital effectively ahead of viewership, right? For subscriber acquisition in hopes that viewership comes Um, and so there's massive like upfront working capital requirements to do that your content budgets have to go way up um, and you're not making as much money on a per subscriber basis as you were compared to linear Um, and it's much harder to kind of match the dollars um, that are coming in through subscriptions with your capital outlays and costs. Um and so it's just I think a structurally like less profitable business, um and that's what all these media companies you know, are are pretty much struggling with at the moment.
0: It um, sounds like it implies that the price per to be a streamer is going to go up significantly over the next twenty five years
1: to a native. The like the price of these services. The
0: price that it costs for a consumer to subscribe or even watch something on demand is going to go up. Oh, I mean,
1: I mean that's but so absolutely magnitude. uh, No, absolutely. I mean it has to. I mean that's like the only way that these services.
2: I mean the alternative. Well,
1: well, the alternative is that they just you know you go from making like forty percent, you know, even that margin. It's like it, or or the alternative is that it just stays like a a four to ten percent cash even that type business. Right. Like it's just, or it's like a, it's just a very, um, you know, it's just not a profitable business. Right. Like that's the, also the alternative because like, I, I'm not sure like you're going to be able to, if you have like five, six services, they're all charging somewhere between seven and $15. You know, all those, you're not going to be able to be in a world where all those services are charging like $30, you know, unless inflation goes to the roof or there's some exogenous factor, right. It's just not gonna, it's not gonna happen because people just don't pay that much for content historically like you know um so i think that's going to be kind of <clears throat> tough i mean i do think they'll, they'll try to take price they'll be part of it but then you also have to take into account like there's also underlying inflation related to you know the the content cost side too right so it's not like they just take price and it and it's all incremental
0: well if people were spending before let's say 200 or 300 a month for like a family uh for like the you know bundle uh Mm. tv you know tv wi-fi and phone um and then they drop that back down to just internet for 80 bucks a month or something like that um doesn't it leave
1: room for no i mean i mean that's you i mean what you're describing for 200 300 i mean that is not that's not the average. I, I, it's far from the average that's a mm-hmm. big out that is an outlier. Mm-hmm. the average the average that somebody spends on like video entertainment a month is like $80 mm-hmm. like that's kind of like ballpark. including
0: the cost of internet including not, cost of internet. not including not oh cost of yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm yeah, saying exactly. so $80 right so if $80 is the max that people will spend and then you know your your Netflix is what like 11 today going to 15 and you're um, you've got Disney plus at five going to, yeah. I don't know what well, it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, yeah, you know?
1: well, well, so here's the other side of the coin man, is that it's not just a lot of these services are getting bundled, right? So, yeah. um, it's a, it's a subscriber acquisition cost for like a telco, right? So I can get my Verizon, I can get my Disney bundle through Verizon. I can get my Netflix paid through T-Mobile, um, you know, there's no shortage of promotions, right? Like Paramount Plus is doing a deal with T-Mobile. So um, so in that respect, like a lot of these services are just going to be somebody else's consumer acquisition costs or subscriber acquisition cost, right? And therefore, it's going to be subsidized. And so yeah, it will be that's a little the, bit stickier. That's yeah. the
0: thing that's going to disappear. At some point, even a company like AT&T should probably like look themselves in the mirror, drop all the pretense and just become a dumb pipe, but be the absolute best dumb pipe and most efficient. And with like the absolute best service delivery and all those kinds of things and not spawn, not like, you know, bundle anything at all. And just, just offer like, like a good price, like the best access ever. And then that's when, you know, the, then price discovery happens because that's when you discover like what content is worth per month and things like yeah, that. Yeah, no,
1: That's true. I mean, I mean, there, there are tangible churn benefits, right. By having these bundles. Right. And it's, um, but if you can offer like, um, and, <clears throat> and, but if you can offer like a better price for it, right. Then who cares? Right. Cause your, your churn is naturally going to be better because the cost of your service is getting be better. Um, so I hear what you're saying. I mean, like I think the, the big question has always been like with AT&T, it's like, well, like AT&T did this whole merger with Warner Media, and you had this whole grand plan of like launching HBO Max and bundling that in with wireless to reduce churn because the wireless space is so big that just basis points of churn is like incredibly accretive to your EBITDA. And yes, that makes sense. But then the question's like, well, did you have to go out and do like such a large acquisition and actually own that? right, to get the same type of benefit, right? Or could you have just done, like, a wholesale deal, like Verizon or T-Mobile do with, like, these other media companies and, and, and get the same effect, and I think they realized that, yeah, like, we don't want to, we, we need to allocate capital more efficiently away from, um, you know, content and push it more towards, you know, fiber and, and the wireless business to make, to stay competitive, so...
0: We'll see. It sounds. It sounds like their strategy was right out of uh, "Don't Mess with Zohan," guy, like in the electronic stores. Like uh, you push here on your cell phone, and uh, free HBO. Push number two, it's free HBO. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Electronic store economics. Um, yep. Yeah, doesn't sound like it was more what better well thought out than 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 uh, Adam Sandler. Uh, yeah, stoned, I mean, but, but, but they're writing a script.
1: It, I mean, and that's the issue too. Is like you know, um, with like the an T, there's a lot of baggage around management. Um, can they turn yeah. that around? So yeah, that's gonna be an overhang. So yeah, I, but I mean, look, it yields nine percent. Um, yeah, or it was yielding nine
0: percent eight percent now. Yeah,
1: yeah. Still, so so that's it's
0: like the best bond in the world. Like you know, I mean, it's not gonna go under. Yeah, um, and uh, as long as they're not gonna cut the dividend, so that's pretty good. It's a really good number. 8%. It's really good yield. Like if you could bank on that, you know, for many years, for 10 years and get 8%, you, you can borrow your mortgage for four or three and you, yeah. and you, uh, and you, and then you lend out basically at eight, yeah. you know, cover your mortgage, double your mortgage. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's interesting. So MA is one thing. And then um, you mentioned the mid band, mid band rollout. You mentioned, um, the and and, like and, and then pivot.
1: and and Ami, um, yeah, I gotta say, I, I gotta, unfortunately, I am being flagged at the moment. Oh,
0: um, the baby! I
1: You've gotta yeah, go. I, I think I gotta go. Unfortunately, all right. so all right.
0: Well, listen, everyone, it's time for Cole Friedman. AKA Hedgeye Friedman to get burped and diapered and which means that Andrew's got to hire Colin. He's got some place to be. Yeah. Sorry about um, that folks. <laughs> no, it's all right. So we'll take the, we'll take the 25 minutes that we got and uh, Andrew, we really appreciate your time and being on today. And uh, as always, of course, and uh, look forward to the next one. And thanks everybody. This has been uh season two, episode one of Unscripted Equity Curiosity. Thanks very much. For
2: this presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors and accuracies or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content all investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors including those not considered in the preparation of the content consult your financial professional before investing the information contained herein is protected by united states and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient access must be provided directly by hedgeye redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited for more detail please refer to the terms of service at hedgeye.com terms of service